know what I mean? Without further ado, let's. I want y'all to stand up, though. Y'all gotta really let's 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 vibrate with this shit. You know what I'm saying? Let's shout out and show love to our OG pushing the culture forward. You know what I'm saying? Mr. Mogul himself. Uh, we can't do without y'all, and this is our favorite place to come to. That's no bullshit. Um, second, of, second of all, I want to thank our sponsor, Acid Cigars. Give them a round of applause. They made this happen. The last time they made it happen, when we came down and we spoke to the legendary Ed Lover, it was an amazing show, and I want to thank y'all again. Um, you know, I always feel kind of a ways when I leave New York, because I'm one of those old school arrogant New Yorkers. I remember when we lived, we was listening to hip-hop, like, yo, they, them niggas ain't shit. The South ain't got nothing to say. The West don't got nothing to say. Toronto, them niggas don't got nothing to say. Um, and, 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 and as years have gone on, and, and as I've experienced so much joy and expansion in my love for this culture, I'm so humbled to be on this ground right now, because Atlanta's given us so much. And then not just Atlanta, but the, the, the men that we're about to speak to right now, this organization that we're about to speak to right now, it's, it's, it's such a humbling experience. So I could only hope and pray that me and King really live up to our name and do a good job tonight. So thank you so much for your patience once again. King, let's bring out our guests, man. Let's get to it. Can you stand up again, please? And I want you to yell at the top of your voices. You want to hear y'all, you know what I'm saying? So we give a one-time legendary salute to Organized Noise, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Sleep. All right. Yeah. I feel like we got to do that again, though. No, 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 no. Don't do it again. No, no. This is like, how many records sold? Like, how many... Crazy, man. Yo, let's sit down now. Let's sit yeah, down. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fanning out right now, so pardon me. You know what I'm saying? But, but, to, go, but to go to that question, and, and do we, is your mic working? Uh, no, I don't think so. We're just going to pass the mic. Right. We're just going to pass the mic. King, yeah, yeah. you asked that mic question, check, man. How many check, records sold? Check. How many records sold today mic check, mic check. In, in 2017? How many records sold? What does it read? Oh, yeah, 75 million. 75 million records, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, every great story has a beginning, man. And you guys have changed the landscape of music so incredibly. I want to know from, from day Mike one, check. man, what, what was your influences, particularly Mike you, CB with the melodies, and, and, and you with the fucking crazy, insane mind patterns. And I want to know what, what inspired this growing up. Like, what did y'all first see that, that really sparked y'all doing this for your lifetime career? Uh, well, I kind of grew up backstage. Um, my father is in a band called Brick. Um, yeah, I had, uh, Shout out to Brick. Y'all yeah, might not be old enough, but I remember Brick. Yeah, Brick and Dance and Ain't Gonna Hurt Nobody. So uh, it started for me when I was about uh, six years old. Um, I went to my dad's concert for the first time, and uh, I really didn't even know. So I was standing on the side of the stage, and my grandma was standing behind me, and... Uh, when he hit the stage, man, I was mesmerized because he was killing the horns, he was picking up a flute, he was picking up a sax, he was picking up a trombone. He was, he was killing the crowd, the girls were screaming and grabbing for his pants. So I turned around and looked at my grandma and said, I want to be just like that. So from that day forth, I always wanted to be in music. So I'm blessed to be a 70s baby because I had a chance to grow up in a funk, really funky ass era, and I love that. And, uh, you know, 
just watching my dad watching Greg perform and learning from them too. Your Rico man, what was your earliest inspiration, man? Well, um, well, being a, I, I love music. I came from more of a consumer standpoint. Back when we had like Z ninety three, like I just love, I love music. It wasn't when I first heard, my first introduction to hip hop was probably Sugar Hill Gang or whatever rappers delight or um, buying Curtis Blow. We were the breaks, but as far as what helped inspire me to want to push what we did forward was meeting Sleepy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, meeting my brother who, like, who all he really knew was music. I done had jobs. I've been working out 9, 10, taking buggies to the thing, taking people trash to the what's name. I'm a little hustler. But, but I didn't sell dope. And I didn't, I was a positive person, but grew up with niggas in the hood. So other people could appreciate, like, like, like he can, He's somebody that's just like somebody that you want to be behind you, but a good spirit or whatever. So like, but get beginning with Sleepy and learning about. But he showed me the first time I ever seen a keyboard with a four track, with like you know what I'm saying separating the vocals. I'm going to pick him up, go to the skating rink. We're going to Jelly Bean. I go pick him up. Hey, I'm gonna check something out. He played the song. I'm like, damn. He said, that's me. I said, damn. He said, check this out. Turn the vocal down. Turn the beat down. Turn this up. Turn. I said. Okay. In my mind, I'm just like, I like this. So I actually thought about Mark West, who ended up writing Waterfalls, who's my friend, who used to like write. And that's how I really clicked up. It was like, you know, I was a young kid who was driving at 15 years old. So people I hung with was a couple years older, 16, 17. They were leaving me, basically. But I had the car and I had the little money. So we were going to do whatever we wanted to do. And it was all in... In, in, the, in, in the love of music and, and following dancing. I was learning how to dance, to be honest. When I was finding out about music, I was learning how to dance. I was being taught how to dance. So Atlanta is, it's the reason why New Yorkers that came up in an era of like, fuck that, them niggas ain't got shit to say. Them niggas ain't got shit to say. And they were right. Them niggas didn't really have shit to say. But, but, but we were studying though. Like we, we looked at the New York niggas who did say something. Like like Chaos One, like Eric B, like 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 Rakim, like like the whole early on when you start getting the knowledge, and, and this is in, in impressionable ages. This is when you eighth grade, ninth grade, you know what I'm saying? You starting to try to see what you, who you want to be. So when you see somebody else rocking with Rakim or rocking with Pape, you're like, okay, we on the same shit. You start to identify with yourself. So from that point on, I we started to recognize, you know what? Everybody keep lying, saying they from New York. Is, is that what it was? Everybody was saying they were from New York? Yeah, that was cool shit. Yeah. They got a cousin? Yeah. Wait, wait, you ever said you was from New York? Hell no. <laughs> not, 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 not saying we were, but that's how somebody gets you. You'd be like, hey man, where you get them shoes from? Oh, my, oh, my cousin in New York. <laughs> where you get them? They didn't get it from the flea market downtown, but you didn't know. Everybody, are you bought from Beaufort High? Like, everybody curveballing everybody. You know what I'm saying? Nobody won't know. Nobody, nobody won't each other know where you get, get your swag, where you get a little fresh from, or whatever. So New York was the ultimate place where nobody could go. So you were lying. I got this from New York. But let me ask you something, man. Like, as much as you're talking about, like, the pioneers of hip-hop that inspired y'all, did y'all ever envision, uh, between y'all, like, did y'all ever have the conversation, like, yo, at a certain point, and, I, and I'm saying this freely, Fuck New York. We got to develop our own sound. Like, did that ever? Did y'all ever have that conversation? It wasn't. I'm being honest. It wasn't fuck New York. It was more like how you. It's so funny how you came out and was like, "Is Brooklyn the house?" 
back in 80, back in 91, 92, 89, 90, you go to warehouse, you go to certain places, they would say that and people would go crazy. DJ Quick was out. Compton's in the Compton, born and raised, born and raised, born and I noticed that, I noticed that we supported it. I knew we supported the niggas who love Compton, we supported the niggas who love Brooklyn. Can we possibly get them to fuck with us? That's all it was, totally. It wasn't about knowing for a fact. It was like, I know we fuck with them. I know we fuck with both of them, both coasts. We screamed that shit in our city. So I wonder, and I, and I honestly didn't believe they were going to do it. I remember being in Los Angeles at, Chick at Roscoe's and on the radio, Southern Playlist to come on. 94, on the radio. First, my first time at Roscoe's, daytime, 3 o'clock, Southern, Southern Playlist to come on. I said, God damn it, we, we we are through them. We are through them now. Like, like we really are quality. Like, cause I didn't. For y'all to say, play that, I mean, you gotta be singing. It's that southern player. You gotta be saying that. I mean, you. I mean, I mean that you. You rocking with us, man. So that that's when all the the, the hatred and all that that, that go away. That it, it becomes we connect, we united as people. We just have to earn that certain. So that's why even after that, when I started this stuff with um. It's funny you said Ed Lover, because he had a big thing about Tupac, and like, him being able to like stop that beef, because he knew that beef, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was so adamant about that, because we know that people who was around music before then, I know um, um, Biggie slept on Pop so I know Biggie got that player shit when Puffy came down here to fuck with us with, um, with um, Players Ball. Like, and that's that. the truth, too. Yeah. No, I, I know that, but at the same time, Biggie also was out here his first time they performed in New York. We was scared and nobody was cheering. He was a nigga up front, right here with his hand up, pushing up against the stand, like, don't stop. Like, brothers. He was the nigga, so I never was going to ever say nothing about him because he, he supported us. But he also recognized that what we were doing was cool. He didn't want to be on the party and bullshit, 50 guns, 50 niggas shit. That's all. So if you see something that's better for us, why not push it forward? Why not push it forward, man? And that's what I think, you know what I mean? That's what happened as far as the respect level. Why you come out here and be like, yo, Atlanta, cool now. Because we fucking work. We work hard to make sure niggas we, I'm, I'm we tell you, a positive I'm, case. I'm going to tell you about the first time. The Outcast performed in New York. It was it was a showcase, right? It was a it was yep. a LaFace yep. showcase, and it was a, a, a LaFace showcase, and it was an Aris the Bad, but it was Aris the yeah. showcase in yeah. New York. Yeah, so smartest from Aris. And I remember, like, I had already been on Biggie. Like, I already had like the early demos. Like, nobody couldn't tell me that Biggie was the illest nigga, right? But around that same time, like, when 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 Outcast dropped, it was this real subtle thing where, like, I thought I was the only nigga in Brooklyn playing outcast and I hear another car you know what I'm saying it's like so it was like a small tribe of us that was like nah we fucking with these dudes but what I'm trying to say is that very first showcase when Biggie performed the first time he did Big Papa the first time he did Big Papa live in New York I was like yo he's running with them outcast dudes because I could definitely pick up the influences because it wasn't Brooklyn it was yeah. real southern it was like Baby, baby, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We, we wasn't on that. Yeah. So we kind of owe y'all props for giving us Big Papa yeah, to real. where he is. And I, yeah. I mean that shit genuinely. But Biggie is why I love New York so openly and honestly because when he got on the Bone record, like, like, like Biggie was, he led New Yorkers. He led them out the darkness. Stop hating, y'all. You messing out on your talent. 
Yeah, we the ones started this shit, but music is bigger than us now. And we can't just sail with razor blades and fucking yellow timbo. Yo, yo, let, let, me, let me ask you this, man. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it, though. No, 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 don't, 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 don't. I love it, though. I love it, though. Let, let me ask you something, man. I, I had the opportunity about three weeks ago to speak to Big Boy. And I've spoken to Big Boy a couple of times ago. I mean, a couple of times. But he said, like, when he clicked up with y'all, it was a whole different thing because y'all weren't just producing. Y'all were training them. And I was like, what, what you mean by training? And he was like, yo, when we was young rappers, like, like organized noise had us jogging and rapping. Is that true? Like, were y'all training yeah. young cats? And, and, and it wasn't just because we, it was a rocky shit. It was just more like New York. The guys are good. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we want y'all to at least, you gonna, not that you got to be the freestyle better than somebody, but you're going to be thorough. You know what I'm saying? We, we are respecting the crowd. When we used to go buy records and stuff, we, me and Ray, we would take trips to, to um, Bleecker Street, to um, Carmine, House of Oldies, we'd go to Brooklyn, we'd go to Harlem, we'd buy records in the corner. We spent thousands of dollars up there with the side guys, giving them what they want, $45 a, a, um, a fucking, um, I mean $50 a um, 45, just because you got one beat break on ain't nobody heard it yet. That helped out, but that was New York. That's why I always acknowledge and I always say our mentality was a New York mentality. I always said we kept New York alive. We kept, we watched for the hook, stewed on the bar, we kept that shit pumping. Master P and Cash Money, they were doing South Beats. We were still pumping that New York gun. Yeah, what Reese said. <laughs> you know, um, you guys, when y'all started out, y'all were getting production work. Before y'all even established yourselves, y'all were getting production work. And then y'all took, you know, outcasts under your wings. I mean, y'all, y'all fucked with your PC, your parental, I mean, PA, parental PA. advisory. Tell us how important PA was to, like, shaping the trajectory of organized noise. Shout out to KP. I don't know if he's in the building, but shout out KP. I mean, we all came up together. We were all friends, and uh, it just kind of... It just kind of started coming around, and 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 you know, say we just, I don't know, man. <laughs> I got to sleep. I don't know. <laughs> hey, That's a very good question. Hey, this would be a one-on-one, but parental advisory. <laughs> I do. But That's a good question. But but PA, PA got to deal with Pebbles. Yeah. Like Pebbles, Pebbles signed T of TLC. T buys. We put TLC together. We introduced Tion and Lisa. But but it went it went to Pebbles though. It was the end Burke. He was putting together a group, a female BBD. We took Tion and Lisa to the thing. Ian ended up selling it to Pebbles. Next, she got TLC. So everybody in the hood kind of know, like, shit, whenever TLC have a video, we can just pull up. We gonna be there. We, we gonna get in, cause, but I didn't want to be that kind of dude. But KP, Reese, and Mel, like, Reese, you tripping. <laughs> got too much pride. You need to go up there. We need to see Tion, cause we can probably get on. And when Reese went up there and Pebbles heard him, and she, she signed PA. But them niggas kept it real, made sure organized noise produced the whole record or whatever. But it was our first time working in big studios all the time, working with budgets, working with um, sample clearance. So we got all our, all our learning. That's why it was so important to the outcasts, because that's when we stopped sampling. That's when we developed the, or, the live music sound. And it took like 90, 100 and some thousand dollars from us. We was like, shit. No more of that. <laughs> no more of that or whatever. So that's what, but PA is the reason. And PA didn't sell. PA didn't blow up. And we, and we saw how PA got pushed back two different times. 
And release date was on this date, got pushed back four, five, six months. Release date on this day, got pushed back. Now the shit dated. We working on outcasts. And now y'all wanna listen and put it out because we looking hot now, but this shit is old that we already done did. And it wasn't fair, it really wasn't fair. But for us, we look good. Because you know, we came out with outcasts and we looked like we had the I's dotted and the T's crossed. But we took a loss. We took a loss, Pebbles took a loss with us. That's why I love it enough. We took, you know what I'm saying? We took a loss on that one. Like, but, Again, Rick said. <laughs> Yo, but you know, like the story that I read is y- y'all y'all produced for PA, y'all produced for TLC. But when when Outcast came knocking on the door, y'all were like, "This is the talent that's ours." Like it's not no record company commissioning us. And even though y'all put TLC together, it y'all didn't have a control of it. Like, but what did y'all see in them young men that that made y'all want to invest all your time and your work and your music and your vision and your focus? and all that training, what was it about them as opposed to like any other cats that came up? And it's not just the bald heads. Okay, you look at you, you remember that, huh? They, they had bald heads and they were, um, but they were young and they could rap, they could rap, they could rap. And, and they did sound like Souls of Mischief, Das Effect a little bit early on, but it, went, it wasn't like, it, that wasn't the part I was looking at. I just saw the fact that these niggas got metaphors for days. They keep. They were MCs. Yes, they kept. They kept rapping. They kept rapping. I was like, let's give it a purpose. Like you guys could hit them. You get, you got the New York. You got the New York thing. You get you, you punchline in the depth. Now that, 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 that's mixing what what we're about and where we from. And just made that relative to them. As big and that's that's obvious big brother shit. If them niggas sixteen, I'm nineteen. I've seen a little bit more. Hey man, give up. Man, this guy over here, the legend says. Oh man, I remember when we were doing this. It's giving them that real ATL history so they can have some pride in it. So now they can stand up and be like, yeah, say them words proudly. Say it proudly, man. Like, like, and don't think that somebody's gonna come up behind you like, nigga, these are our streets. No, they not. These are our streets. Ain't nobody allow no big, you know what I'm saying? You had certain down, you had the down, down by law. You had people who did terrorize the streets. But Miami boys, you had people who terrorize the streets. <laughs> but, but they all get locked up or go or die. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shit, they ain't gonna terrorize this for long. <laughs> Truth. Rico Wayne, ladies and gentlemen. Yo, it's crazy, man. Like, so y'all develop Outcasts, and y'all have this relationship with LA. Y'all have all the relationships. First and foremost, like, what? How? How? And I, I, I'm not even touching on the shit that we yeah, said. Yeah, we got to We don't have to. But, but, Sorry, I love my big brother to death. And, um, well, what was your first, what, how was your first meeting with L.A.? Like, like, talk about that. That's what I'm saying. His was, he taught, it's college. It's college. He made me believe, man, I talk fast, I stutter. It was a time when I was like, was concerned about, can that work in business? Are people going to take you or they going to not be able to understand you? How can you actually even be our representative? And he embraced it. Like, damn, he looked at it as passion. Like, you excited, you happy about some shit. Tell me, listen, I want to listen to you. So me, and he taught me, slowed me down and said, you know what, this is a, this is a, um, this is a record report. You're doing well in this market. He never took that. Our success is his. He always gave to us, whatever it was. He always said, man, I don't know anybody. I'm doing, like, I'm, I'm giving y'all niggas half a million dollars. Like, I trust y'all. Don't mess it up. But at the same time, L.A. was saying that it's not that he was giving y'all something. He always said that y'all was giving him something. Yes, yes. He, he, no, he, he did say that, cause, and that's how he acted with it. Because he always acted like, like he wasn't black enough. You know what I'm saying? Because of his mission that he was on, with, the way he had to go to be corporate, 
he felt like he couldn't be connected all the way to what right. that shit didn't really matter. I love my, my people. But I can't get everybody in the door. At where I am in my career, I gotta be pushing forward for the bigger picture. I can't worry about just the little. So it's like, you guys connect me to what's real. That's dope. And, and, and but the, what's dope is him being saying that to us a person. You can always be fly because they know we looking up to you. So you can always act like you this and that. He didn't mind confiding that with me. He didn't mind being understanding that that's why y'all don't. And I'm like, what's the name of that cologne you got on? Nigga, that's just no good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you don't. Like, like what's, where, you, where you get that? Caught, like, <laughs> them, them slippers right there, you dope. <laughs> Who decorated this crib? Yeah, like, yeah. like, you, the way he, he wanted the regular stuff. He wanted to know. And then he will be honest, like, man, like, when, okay, on the good, I hate to jump, but when we went to the Goody Mob album, that's when I remember sitting in that room and he's like playing the music. And I knew this shit wasn't really, I knew it was kind of long and dragged out. He let me sit through that whole meeting about 40 minutes and he said, well, what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know them song went over three, four minutes? Like, almost like, you in school, Rico. You know, this ain't supposed to be this way. How you, so you can't keep this in, in control? So these niggas running over you? <laughs> so, for me, that's why I love Antonio Reed. That's what we're missing. We're missing more people who help hold each other accountable. You know what I'm saying? Like your kids do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hurt me. My little boy got an AAU game night and I couldn't go. Right. I went, pulled up on the mama home. Please get him there on time. Get his stuff right because it means something to me that he know that I don't ditch out on your stuff, bro. Like, like I forgot about this combat <laughs> <laughs> Yo, one thing I really need to know, man, like, because y'all said it in the documentary, but. Players Ball is is the record that broke every like broke everything. Was that really a Christmas record, man? Really? Yes, sir. It was a Christmas record. It was on the uh, LaFace Christmas album. And LA came to us and said, "Yo, we need one more record, and we'll give y'all a chance." You know what I'm saying? Let's see what you come up with because we had already done um, TLC Slay Ride. And, and he already uh, turned down Outkast a couple of times, right? What? what well, yeah, yeah, no, right then. You absolutely right. Right at that time, he had just turned Outkast down. Um, yeah, probably twice, two showcases, they didn't do it. But right before he asked the Christmas song, he just called us out the blue, and not the blue, but was like, I want to do the deal. And it really was because we was about to, Mercury, a couple other labels was interested, but, they, but he didn't know the chemistry wasn't there. Like, labels was coming, but I didn't have, I just felt like they was always trying to, I was scared that they was going to put us with somebody, and I wasn't going to be able to talk anymore, or whatever. So, so um, when the Christmas thing came along, it came along in like August. Outcast might have signed, and it came along in September. Alcaz might have signed in um, August. Might have just signed in the record deal. And a month later, they, he said, yo, um, we got this Christmas album we put out this year. Organized Noise already did a song for TLC last year. We need y'all to do a new one. And since Alcaz is signed to the label, your first song is going to be a Christmas song on the album. So I go back and be like, God damn. I got to, I got to tell these niggas that, that the past two years we've been talking this black shit right here. <laughs> we're going to for Christmas. We're going to pay your holidays. You know what I'm saying? We're going to we, we going hard over this thing. We, <laughs> And I gotta tell this nigga, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We, we doing a Christmas song. So I had to go, I had to go on my game face on. I said, guess what, y'all? Yeah, before they before I even told him, I said, I know we don't celebrate Christmas, but it's mandatory that it's mandatory that every artist on the label turn one in. So what we gonna do is gonna be in socks and drawers. That's what we get for Christmas, right? And what you get for Christmas? We get socks and drawers. That's what your mama gets. And it's, at this age, they were 16, 17. They wanna get no gift. We get socks and drawers. And you know what I'm saying? I was like, so that's how we're gonna do this song about soccer drawing. So, so they say, cool, cool, cool. So me and Sleep, or that we in the studio, we working. We trying to get, we trying to get the vibe together. We 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 own it. They ain't even in there. They ain't hurting that yet. We in that vibe. We trying to catch it. 
And we, we, we working hard, so we think we got some. Ray called me. Shout out to Ray, too. The only reason why he's not here, his oldest son, Rashad, born on my birthday, is graduating from Orlando from law, from law school. <laughs> that's the only reason, that's the only reason Rashad, Rashad, Rashad Murray. That's the only reason why he's not here. But, um, so, um, what was I saying? <laughs> okay. okay, okay, now, me and Sneaky was working on a song for the, um, for the outcast, but um, Ray calls, and he in the studio with Pebbles, artist Drip Drop. Drip Drop, he working on a song for Drip Drop. Because at this point, you know, Pebbles, we, we done got with LA, but we still kind of rock with Pebbles because we did PA work. So we over there with Drip Drop, so I got to go pick Ray up. We got one car we all share. So I'm going to pick Ray up from another studio. I go pull up on Ray. I said, I'm, I'm looking for him to come out with equipment. He said, nah, Rick, come here, you gotta hear this shit right quick. Everything back then was on, on, on big, on two inch real tape. So it wasn't like you could just, on the drum machine. So I go in, he played. That shit was the, it, it was the skeleton for Player's Ball. I said, oh God, <laughs> he, he said, what? I said, me and Sleep already been working at the studio for like five, six hours, and really going in, we done changed two or three vibes to get one that's kind of close. Then I hear something that's killing it on one here. I said, oh, that's not that shit no more. Come on, let's take that. We took that, took that right over to the studio. Now our whole vibe done turned up. Cause we've been working all day to get something that was here. He came in with something that was already here. So we took that, turned it on, and now we're being creative to where it's like, we might have played a record. They might have had a, a, a sample on it where it was guys talking like, they was talking like, um, they was just talking like- Hustle's Ball, I think. Yeah, Hustle's Ball, and it was, a, it was an old, old breakbeat, Hustle's Ball, but they just be talking, woo, at the be, they um, fur coats, they just talking at the beginning of it. So we had that playing at the beginning of the sample. I said, we just went through this shit with PA. How much are they gonna charge us for this, to clear this? I'm feeling it, I might be drinking. Take, take that off. I go in the booth, all the players, all the hustlers, seven, seven Seville, L dollars, never them black. I'm talking about a black man. I just went, and, hey, and from that point, Sneaky was like, oh, I, I might did that before he did the hook. Like, like, so, so now he's saying like, oh, Rick, I got it. And that's why I love it. I mean, he made me understand how to use words and how to, you know what I'm saying, put it into melody to make, to make cool shit sellable. That's why we got so fresh, so that's why we got these songs, because he was the one who was always like, you're my writer, you're gonna be my partner for that, Rico. When I was looking for what my job was gonna be besides like paying for shit, like, <laughs> he was like, no man, you hip, you cool, like, like you know in lingo, you gotta learn how to put it into melodies, into form, or whatever, like, and that's where it started, like, like it started like from, like him just like being, but like just like L.A. Reid, us as people acknowledging when somebody helping you, not just like leeching, not just like stealing their energy and, 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 and going to get rich and act like you're normal. That ain't cool, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like when, you got, when you got a vibe with somebody, I mean, everybody can't necessarily become a company, you know what I'm saying, like we did or whatever, but, but even when you got friends or whatever and, and you feel like they make you better or help you with what you're doing at work, Yes, man, take them out to dinner sometime. Do, show them some love, because you're getting from them. It ain't, friendships are not just crying on each other's shoulders. It's also celebrating when you got it going on to help them keep it going on, you know, whatever. And to, and to feel a part of it, you know what I mean? Yo, tell us about how instrumental working with a young Diddy was. When y'all were about to break, and then Diddy came on, and then, to so talk about, because to me, 
from my generation, Diddy's the best that ever did it. Hey. Yeah. Right? But then, but when he got with y'all, it was some, uh, some whole other shit. So talk about when y'all first met Diddy and then he started working with y'all on, on the Players Ball video. I second that emotion, man. Like, you got some good, you got, you got good, good in, in, intel. Because, I, um, just, I just watched a documentary, because, because, No, but Puffy, <laughs> no, no, but Puffy, but this stuff, like, this stuff that I want Puffy to know, that he don't even know that I want him to know. I remember flying to New York. It's three or four different stories. Puffy is a fucking amazing marketing genius. He can be an ass and can be like say he don't care about you, but I'll be crazy. But, but but that nigga is really and I promise you he can take. I get we gave him the business. I remember being like treating him like oh, I don't want to rock with you. He still be like he like push your hand down. Come on, give me a hug. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love me because I knew I was being an ass sometimes. Why, why, why was you being an ass to Puff? Because I was scared he was gonna get all the credit for everything because he was he was just so on point. You felt the same way, man? He was. He was so old. No, Rick got this. Rick, Rick. See, Rick, Rick and Puppy always had this, like, friendly competition. Yes. Always. And it's, it, it's like, you know, two brothers always going at it, but yes. it was great because they both learned from each other. You know what I'm saying? Puppy really did yeah. steal a lot of stuff, though. I'm going to say that, though, folks. A lot of stuff. A lot of, a lot of Atlanta. And he felt bad. He started throwing parties. I'm going to tell it. But I'm just gonna say that, you know what I'm saying? But go ahead, read to no, that no, story. But, but like I said, like you said, meeting the early Diddy, first of all, the very first time I done kinda got around him, I'm up there with PA. They doing a show where they opening up for Biggie, but it's at a little nightclub. I'm riding with Puffy and I'm on him like, I need some weed. Where the weed at? He, she's driving my doing shit. I'm like, nigga, where the weed at? Nigga, stop playing with me. Like, like, so he about to pull up to the weed. We <laughs> get some weed. I get me some, then he get some. Damn, nigga, I didn't know you smoke. I thought I'm harassing you about this. We get to the club. He start bagging up weed, start doing this and that, whatever. I'm like thinking like, this nigga hustle? I'm like, damn, this nigga confusing me. We get, we get in the spot. He walks up to me and give me like about 10, 15 bags of, the Nick bags of weed. And blunts. Said, pass it out to everybody, pass it out to everybody. While I'm passing out, V getting ready to come on to the party and bullshit. By the time I done passed out, I already bust some weed and kind of relax myself a little bit because I'm in New York. Now I'm cool. I'm giving nigga weed. Hey, what? I'm looking like that nigga. So, so, so I'm feeling a little better. The next thing you know, Biggie come on. Yo, put your blunts in there. I'm like, oh, this nigga puffy and genius. This nigga puffy and genius. This nigga, I'm like, what? Another time, I'm in New York. I'm, with, I'm going to meet Puff about some shit, get some weed, get some weed, I'm going to get some new weed, or whatever, and um, I'm in Times Square, and everybody running around buying Big Macs, I, I go see him, right, I, I go see him, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm waiting in the room with, first of all, there's never pretty girls in the room, college girls, he in there talking some college, hot college shit, I'm standing around like, damn, this nigga, this nigga, this my nigga, like, but I can't let him know it, I don't fuck with you, like, like New York versus South, it's a war, but every time I come to New York, I call your fucking ass for some weed. Like, so you know I like you, or whatever. So um, he ain't not telling everybody, go to every McDonald's, buy all the Big Macs. He buying a Big Macs over the whole city in New York. New York. He buy the, the Craig Mac, Biggie, yep. Biggie Small Sampler. He taking the bread, he, he keeping the Big Macs containers. Yep. Taking the bread, he taking the meat out of the bread, throwing the, the meat and the lettuce out, putting the tapes in between the buns and the thing, and, reset, and taking them out. He spent his money on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this nigga is a genius, man. Like, 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 like we come down. Like, like when he believes in something, like, like he can sell it. Like, like, and I am a salesman. Like in my heart, like I know I, 
But it's the same principle. If you believe in it, if you believe in it, like, like, come on, be in Craig Mack. In that time, if you if you went to, I remember L.A. retelling, I don't know about Alcad, there ain't really no set symbols. Literally, he's like, man, look at Tretch, man. They, they ain't really, I, I had to stand up and be like, man, man, give it a second, man. I, I said, Drake, dark skin, I said, they're going to fuck with him. I said, big, growing the hair out, they're going to fuck with him. I had to literally sell my niggas, like, but, being a, but that's business. No, I'm a man. So he telling me, you a sex symbol. I'm like, I can't rap. <laughs> you want Big Daddy Kane out here, bro? What you want? You want Big Daddy Kane, huh? I don't want to be there again. <laughs> so I, I distinctly remember like the fact that Puffy, and that's what I do. If I had any regrets, I felt like for Cool Breeze, Wish Doctor, Lou Will, I should have been more of a Puffy. I should have just let them niggas go out there on their own as much as I should have been holding their hand. And, but at that point, I had already had a, a marginal success to where it was like, this shit working with, letting the managers do, letting everybody do their job. I ain't got to be involved. I get to have a life. But at the same time, though, I still have enough energy and enough know-how to wear like how Puff. And people thought, like Michelle Knight was saying that like, he wouldn't want to be in nobody's shit because he wanted to be. He was he, he had to be. He, he had to be. Biggie wasn't the cutest, and Craig Mack wasn't the cutest. Like, like, but these niggas was the best rappers in the world. And he made sure people noticed him. So he'd tap dance, he'd get up there. So people noticed and pay attention. So you want to just brush it off his underground rap. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we'll just, we'll just put something in the category like, oh, this is some of the underground shit. And, and that's why Puffy, the young P. Diddy, like you said, is one of the, is the greatest. Like, that. you check his goddamn bank account. That shit, he's <laughs> Yo, let's, let's talk about how y'all switch gears, man, because y'all really, like, put something on the map with Outkast. And talk about what mindset was different when y'all started fucking with the legendary Goody Mob. Like, what was the, what was the different mindset? I want to hear from you, Steve. I, want to, I need to hear from you, B. I think we're good. We just wanted a different sound because coming out of Outkast uh, came Society of Soul. You know what I mean? So there was that same funky trail. So we wanted Goody Mob to have their own sound. Plus, I didn't want to sing all over Goody Mob because CeeLo voice was amazing to me. So uh, it really started when Rico uh, came from New York with some new uh, records. And uh, he was going through them. And uh, he found this crazy, crazy record. Like, can I really tell what it was, Rick? You probably can now. It'll be first you time. Sure? First time. First time. Uh, first it was time actually, I've been told. It was actually a, a ballet record. And it was teaching you how to uh, do ballet. So the count was do, 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 do. That was the count. You feel me? So, boom. Come back, Jack. My genius. My genius. We right go. Now. We go. It's everything we let know. Let's leave. So, so my genius right here, uh, and I love the way Rico hears music because it's not just hood, it's rock. It's, it's, it's always beating and it's always in your face. So when I first heard him play that goddamn track, I lost my mind because I was like, that was somewhere that we were never at and we weren't even going that way. So for him to do that was just so genius to me because it took them to a whole nother level. Oh, and this right here really... What started is when uh, George Clinton gave all of us the book of uh, Pale White Horse. Yeah. And Buster, I remember, I'll never forget, Buster Ryan came in the studio. We was at Dark. And Buster was reading it. And we was in there doing Outcast. And he walked in, he was like, Yo! Have y'all read this shit? This shit is fucked up! And we were like, Whoa, what the fuck? He's like, Read this! So (laughs) 
we already said it scared the living shit out of us, man. Like, we were like, oh my God. Like, we were looking up in the sky and just paranoid as fuck. So, I think that energy, <laughs> I think that energy went to good Behold work. the pale white horse. Yes, sir. Buster Rhymes and George Clinton, most definitely. Uh, so, like, that's why our connection with New York. We East Coast. It's, it's, it's family. Matter of fact, Rampage was signed with Dallas. It's like, that's a, it's a connection. All we yes, sir. Coast, it's almost like, you know, it's a connection. You know, as y'all are developing the sound and, and y'all not even realizing that, that y'all about to turn shit upside down. At the same time, it's not like ATL didn't have cats that was doing shit. Like y'all had Jermaine Dupree and So So Def. Y'all had Dallas Austin and Rowdy. Was it a sense of camaraderie and competition going on at the time? Because all of y'all was bubbling. JD and Dallas made it where the money was checking here. So we loved them. Because Jermaine had hit with crisscross. But before he hit with crisscross, Jermaine had tried to put out Silktown Leather, JBI and the Straight Jackers. He had two or three groups that were like knockoffs of groups that was up there. Right. You know what I'm saying? But we still loved him though because he was putting out a record. They were doing real raps, but it went, we, we, that's a lesson learned. People ain't fucking with it all the way though. But it's solid, that's a Silktown Leather. I mean, that's a um, Salt and Pepper, that's an L Cool J. That's, so when he came up with Crisscross, he really knocked the home run. Yeah. He really knocked the home run. Crisscross. Chris Cross wasn't necessarily indicative all the way of Atlanta, but it was in the in the in the fly sense. Kids, who, you know, what I'm saying like them, them kids went up bad. They paid parents. You know, what I'm saying it was almost like the, the other culture of Atlanta, not just the, the hood or whatever. In Dallas, Dallas is the prodigy. Dallas is is, is the Atlanta. Like organized noise and what we did, we just helped develop the culture and help people respect it. Dallas made me believe. I was in high school when Dallas was getting money. You know what I'm saying? Right. Dallas, Dallas was the first one showed up at the skating ring with the BMW, like, like, and he, 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 um, he did um, George Spinderella, Hey Mr. DJ, with Dougie Fresh on it. Dougie Fresh did the show. So, it's like, that was a connection to New York. You know, you know that nigga for real. You did it. So, like, Dallas is our, that's our son. Like, like we love him. Like, like that's Atlanta's, that's Atlanta's baby. So, if anything, they set the bar as far as for our pop excellence. They were pushing it for us. Hood represent. I'm saying, even though Dallas was affiliated with the Hard Boys, A Town Hard Boys, who's affiliated with JoJo and Lil Day, famous Atlanta drug dealers, to like you know what I'm saying. So they connected or whatever. So like for, for us, it was more about um, we just knew that them niggas went us when it came down to, to what we would want to do musically. But but we looked up to them. We always liked them. We don't say it was never done. Matter of fact, we tried to be honest. We tried to sign a record deal. We tried to before we got with LA. We tried to sign with. Dallas, and we tried to sign with Jermaine and Dallas. That's crazy. We tried to sign with both of them, and, and both of them wanted to do the deal, but it was like, that's all we wanted to do. We just wanted them to, we just wanted them to want to do it, and we just ran out of ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't really want to do it. We just wanted them niggas to want to do it, so, so we can feel like, okay, cool, we're good enough. Okay, now let's go and do this shit on our own. We don't need no money right now. We just need to know that we're good enough. <laughs> Yo, what's crazy to me is like, what was it that y'all was so positioned that Outkast becomes arguably one of the greatest groups in hip-hop history, right? CeeLo, like, like CeeLo's super talented, but, but look at CeeLo right now. Everybody in America knows his name. Did, did y'all notice anything different about CeeLo back in the day, or did y'all even envision that this motherfucker would be on, 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 on network TV, you know what I'm saying, trusted by white America? Like, did y'all see that? Uh, we just knew he was very, very talented, talented. and, and yeah. we knew he could go far, you know what I'm saying? We didn't know how far, but with that voice... And, and, you know, 
just an incredible guy, man. So, you know, we were hoping it would happen. So to see it happen is beautiful. And that's why it's not a, um, like we just envisioned, or oh, this was gonna happen. We was just being very honest with what we were doing at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like Big and Drake was our project. We put everything we had into that. Like you were saying, we made sure, we didn't play the radio, we didn't ask their opinion. Sleeping was singing the hooks, we were riding them. Y'all niggas just got to bust and destroy it. And, and they killed it. With CeeLo, it was us after doing that, it was like, look at this nigga. He can sing, rap. He just took two of our jobs. I mean, he just it's not two of them. He just helped us not have to think about as much. So, and the fact that the Source magazine immediately gave him rap of the month, would get up, get out. So, and he still didn't really get acknowledged the way he should have until overseas did crazy with Nars Barkley, and it was came out overseas because people still wasn't accepting his look. We knew that package was the truth, but at the same time, they were like, are they gonna accept it from this real Southwest Atlanta Negro? <laughs> Will they accept it, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, he, he's, he's well-rounded. Mother was a preacher, like, like, but, but at the same time, though, he's, um, it's his vocals, like his, his ability to sing. Like, that's why Sleepy said earlier, he said the Goody Mob, he said, man, I can, I could have been singing, but realistically, organized noise, we knew people were looking at us like, Outcast is really organized noise on their first album. People looking, people were looking that way then, so we need them niggas to be getting respect. So we were like, we're not gonna use this sound for the next group. We're gonna make it look, it's they sound. That's they sound. You know what I'm saying? Like, because we know we can come up with something else. You know what I'm saying? But, but part of they sound is sleepy sound. So that makes it organized noise. Even more so than organized, like he said, cell therapy was, was different, or waterfalls, or, or blackberry molasses, or don't let go. But Southern, that crumbling nerve, that's sleepy. Like, like that's so that's organized noise. That's why Big keep him on his left, keep him on his six. Keep him by six, keep him on his six. Like, you know what I'm saying? All the time. Because he know that gonna remind you. If, if three stacks can't be here, I'm gonna keep phone here so they know this shit's still pumping. Or whatever, like, and, and, and that's a blessing. Because, I mean, that, that, that's just a blessing. But, but there's that, the Goody Mob sound, CeeLo, CeeLo was just a talent. I'm happy that the world, I'm happy that he didn't get, because Goody Mob's kind of got in a package for a minute. They was like, man, them niggas racist, them niggas don't like, because uh, it was a lot of faggots on the first album, even though it went on anti gay it, it was just that, you know, people, that's how niggas don't know how to talk. We, we, we didn't know back then. It, it's, it's just how people talk. But, but they Everybody wouldn't say it to actual gay people. Yeah, of course. I call a real nigga pussy fat. <laughs> Yo, that shit look gay. Like, we used to talk like that. I whoop your ass. It's like, you just, it's just, it's a part of your, your lingo when you're disrespecting somebody. So the fact that we know that's a way to disrespect somebody, but now it's, now it's really disrespecting a whole nother people. I'm trying to disrespect this chump in my face, but now I'm disrespecting a whole, whole nother culture of people. That, so now, that was a lesson to be learned. But because of being an ass to records, that shit got him in a little box, you know what I'm saying? Got us what we like, okay, okay, we got y'all niggas. Y'all niggas that go go past got them <laughs> Y'all niggas is done. So the fact that um <laughs> the fact that um Goody Mob, CeeLo could get out of that. Cause CeeLo, we put the Goody Mob together like the Cujo and Timo was the lumberjacks. Gil was with the East Point chain gang, he was rocking with us. He was me, him, and Cooper, he's in A grade to go. Um um, CeeLo was the new one. He went to Maze, but he was two years behind them guys' class. But they knew of him. They knew he was real. He was running shit. He was bad. He was one of them street niggas, right? He was bad. Yo, that's crazy. Like, bad. I can't even imagine CeeLo being a he terror was, in these streets right now. He was bad. He was bad. He was bad. Stop playing. Boy, he was a terror, boy. 
That boy was no, no joke. Now, now he bad when it comes down to the streets, but but not just to make no excuse, but he was raised by a mama, he got a sister. Like he went bad when he came down to girls. I'm just being honest. Like not just saying it because of what happened, but that wasn't where he was bad at. Like, like, like he was regular, he was normal. We all like he wasn't nobody. He was when it came down to fighting, you know, nobody came down to being the little nigga, let me go slap the biggest nigga. Yes. Bad. <laughs> and, and he would do it too, real yeah, quick. He bad in that sense. Yes, sir. <laughs> that way he Michael Jackson. He bad. <laughs> Yo, um, you know, we've seen a lot of people bring live musicianship into hip hop, man. But what was it that really made that a part of your DNA? Like we're gonna like, cause Dre did it. Say Dre did it, but he was like replaying samples. Like, like talk about like your mission and your vision about bringing live musicianship into the sound and the DNA of what is organized noise. Well, you know, Dre did have something to do with it a little bit. Of course, LaFace, because they told us, you know, they weren't going to pay for samples anymore. So, um, but I remember us listening to The Chronic, you know what I'm saying, and being like, yo, you know, if we going to do this, man, we got to be right up there with, with this, you know what I'm saying? And I think, you know, again, by me, you know, being yeah. in the 70s and loving, loving live music, you know, I was just like, man, we could play this ourselves. We can get guys that could just kind of, you know, imitate the feeling that we, you know, we're trying to bring out. You know, what I'm saying it worked out. We had Preston. Preston Crump was one of the baddest bass players ever. Played on the first album. Played on all our stuff. Uh, Tommy Martin. We, uh, uh, Mar uh, Mark. Uh, Mark. No, hold on, hold on. I'm actually trying to say. Um Kenneth Wright. Kenneth, oh, yeah, Wright. Kenneth Wright. Kenneth Wright. He was in the church piano player. But see, that's the thing, though. So when you say the musicianship thing, and yes, Dr. Dre, and I'm being honest, we didn't get playing live music from Dr. Dre. But the fact that he was doing it was um, helped us understand how hip-hop beats over music, how it could work together. Even like you said, he was playing, he was playing samples over or whatever. For me, it was more about the way we would dig through the crates we would hear these um, xylophones, robes, worldless. So at this point, we used to be three organ. That's what made honestly, that's what made players ball great. Is because we went and got the real instruments. We thought keyboard sounds was taboo. We felt like if you put a, 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 a M1 chord, you put any kind of keyboard sound there, it's gonna sound like R&B, and it's gonna sound like Dallas. <laughs> it's gonna sound like Jermaine. It's gonna sound like some R&B. So we was like, no way. We started going, that's why um, Boss Town then was Bobby Brown Studio. They had an old B3 organ. We used to use it. We started going around the old schools, buying up the electric worldlessers. Mm -hmm. we, we started um, going about old 73K stage roads. We started spending our money on that kind of stuff because it allowed us to use music and it didn't sound like keyboards or whatever. So it wasn't just a live bass or a live guitar. It was us being able to like, and it, and it wasn't getting into the streams, the live streams or the, 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 the other stuff until later. Early on, it was our manipulation of, we got the, 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 um, the mini Moog, because LA and Babyface, from back, it had to be shit from back in the day. LA and Babyface had an had a old Moog at their studio. We went and got it and did, ain't no thing, them nigga asked for it back. <laughs> man, we need to get that back. That shit was sitting in the back, dry. <laughs> we just need to use one more time. I like, but we, and, and the old, when I say that, the old mini move, it was one like you, you don't change the button and to change the sound, you make your sound. You move this sound this way, you move that way, you keep moving stuff all day till you be like, oh shit, I got something. You make the sound, and then when you want to make another one, because you might like this sound, so you want to use it as much as you can, 
You got you want to make another one? You got to erase that sound. God damn. You got to, <laughs> but so ain't no thing ain't been done. I mean, you, you did ain't no thing. We did peaches and herbs. We tried to put it out on a couple other. But, but each time you have to re. And then the um, the mini move people tried to come out with a, a digital version that would save it or whatever. But these are the kind of musicianship things that a person had to. Um, you know what I'm saying? To, in order to make some music sound like a sample. That's all we were doing. Cause we love hip hop, we love samples, but we can't keep paying for these samples. But we like to feel the samples. That's the feel of it. So we we we, we can snatch these drums without y'all knowing. It. We snatch the hi hat, the kick, the snare, the other hi hat. We snatch everything out of it and program it how we want. But we can't. And we can snatch some of your melody if we want to. We can snatch it. But 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 <laughs> but at the same time, it ain't gonna sound as full because music was growing and evolving. So we had to grow and evolve with it. So we had to start trying now find that original sound that you used to make that. If we liked what you were doing, and that helped make us, made us better students to where we became more educated with what we were doing. We weren't learning because somebody was telling us. We were learning because that's how we could be better than everybody else or whatever. Like, and, that's, and, and what I saw from it was music became, and you're pretty thorough, because you said the only name before us was Dr. Dre. It's all motherfucker you could have said. <laughs> because after that, Kanye, anybody else who used live musicianship with samples, that's what we did. Besides Dr. Dre. Besides Dr. Yo, Sleepy, this one is, is definitely for you, man. Like, you definitely come from a, a, a pedigree and lineage of amazing um, artistry. Um, and whenever you touch that mic, man, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's not just music, it's art. But talk about, like, the sacrifice and the battle, you know, being behind so many instrumental groups. But at the same time, you, you'll come out and you do your artist thing, but it, it also seems like you sacrifice a lot of your, 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 your artist career for other groups. Can, can we talk about that? I mean, it, I mean, really, that was never a problem because it started that way. And, you know, the only groups I was really helping was Outkast, you know what I'm saying? So um, that was never a problem. I think, you know, when I, the problem was when I would come out by myself, you know, I would get into that thing of they didn't know what to do with me. Because, you know, I'm, you know, that's that third guy with Outkast, you know what I'm saying? So that became more of a problem with, with trying to, you know, uh, do my solo career, you know, like Mr. Brown album did pretty good, but it could have did a lot better if I really had more of the family on the album. So, you know, um, like I said, you know, it, it really wasn't that much of a problem. It was, you know, it was some sacrifices made, man, because, you know, the whole Stippy Theme project, you know, I really wanted that to uh, be bigger, but it, it, and it ended up doing it 20 years later, you know what I'm saying? I had to show it, um, what was it? Uh, Terminal West, that was beautiful when we did the whole Sleepy Theme album. You know, so, you know, it's, it's always sacrifice, man, but that's just a part of it. Thank you. You know what? You know what? You, that's, once again, a great question, because he did have to sacrifice. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, later on, I realized that. I was like, man, we made Sleepy give away half his shit, really. Well, not, not give it away like it was ideals or something before then, but what we used to say, Outcast is. Possibly what he was gonna use to sell him, but but you know what I'm saying, but we we used what we were doing as organized noise first, and I felt like it was a it was great when later on when he Outkast got on I can't wait because it wasn't like we asked him, we was already working on Outkast album, I mean working on Sleepy's album, and um, I had did the beat I can't wait, but he was on the plane with three stacks, said hey man stacks listen to the album if you hear anything on now you want to get on let me know, he get by the time they get off the plane stacks say shit I'm gonna get on that I can't wait. 
And, and, I knew, I knew he wanted to get on the two. That was my plan, you know what I'm saying? That was my whole plan. I was like, okay, we got to go to L.A. Let me go and get three stacks of this album. Let me hear because I knew when he heard Can't Wait, I knew it that he was going to get on that record. So the time we got off the plane, he waited for me because I was sitting way in the back. He was sitting first class, so he was out there. So by the time I got out there, he, just, he stood there and waited on me. He was like, phone. That can't wait. I got I got something for it. Like the next what the next couple of days went yeah. right in the studio and did that long ass verse yeah. and killed my shit. And it, and it became Andre 3000 featuring Sleepy Brown and Big Boy. I can't wait. One of my record, no goddamn more. But I really appreciate it and I love him for it because I wanted him on that record really bad. I just didn't know he was gonna do a verse that long. Yeah. Because you know what I'm saying? He's short and big and that wasn't fair. But <laughs> but it was a great record, man, and you know what I'm saying? Man, Interscope was a, <laughs> that was a great experience with that record. Yeah, and it was, it was, you know, it was only one song compared to, you know, their whole career. But that little moment for me, like to be there and to see him having a video shoot where he's the fucking center of attention, it's 20 girls. Now, you know how when they shot the video, it was like girls doing everything, pampering him and shit. It was like, it was like that was awesome because there were no extras on the set. It was just me <laughs> and him. <laughs> so it was like it was, it was it was like a dream come true yeah. as far as like just seeing like man, cause cause he ain't asked for it. He, he, but it's been a sacrifice. I know it's been a sacrifice, and you deserve it. You deserve your opportunity, and we shouldn't have to ask for it. We shouldn't we shouldn't have to, and I'm glad we didn't have to. I'm glad it just came about. God just but that day when it happened, I'm glad I was there to witness it. It was like man. This is awesome, man. Big Andre on the record, shit hot. You know what I'm saying? Sneaky shooting the video. It's like, it's like, like, they going they gonna see him now. They gonna see him in this right light. And that's one thing, Nate dog. God bless him. You know what I'm saying? They get a chance because they always compare them in the sense of because Nate was the backbone of the sound for for a lot of the West Coast. Lot and Sneaky was the backbone for the sound for a lot of our stuff. So it was like, regardless of any of them ever put out an album, they were still gonna be Nate dog and Sneaky Brown. But Nate didn't get a chance to do his record. I'm just glad Sleepy got a chance to do some songs that was like, you know what I mean? That meant something. That the world, the world could see, because then Pharrell came in and did Margarita. It was a good, yeah, it was a yeah. good look. Yeah, Pharrell showed a lot of love, man. He, uh, he just hit me up one day. Uh, it was like, yo, I got this hit for you, man. Let me know you come to L.A. I said, actually, I'll be there tomorrow. So uh, it was funny because we were in the studio. Like, he had the record plant uh, set down. He had, like, every room. He had... Uh, Tali Kwali in one room, he had Snoop in one room, he had me in one room. So he came in and played Margarita, and I was like, wow, this dude, this dude is insane. He was skateboarding to each room, like he's, <laughs> he's a genius, man. That's one of my favorite producers, so shout out to Pharrell, give me that great record. Yo, where's that, where's that music coming from? We got some music coming from, where's that coming from? Yo, thank you. Um, you know, y'all established yourselves as like the premier, at a certain point, y'all were the premier producers of Southern hip hop. How do y'all make that shift all of a sudden and become the go-to for R&B? Like y'all fuck it up with TLC and Waterfalls, y'all fuck it up with En Vogue. Like y'all become the go-to guys now for R&B. Was that a whole different switch? Or well, was just a progression of what y'all did? Well, it was really based on our relationships. That's the thing we organized those as well. The same way, it's like Antonio Reed and Sylvia Rome. That's, that's, that's mom and dad, you know what I'm saying? So like Sylvia was somebody that, um, People that, that hold you accountable. You know what I'm saying? I remember we were doing it when Sylvia came to us and said, yo, I'm gonna need y'all to do this, you know, this Gary Gray new movie, Gary Gray directed Waterfalls, Gary Gray directed Southern Playlistic. Um, 
Um, the Queen Latifah's in it. She was uh, managing Outkast at the time. It was like Jake, it's like, we, so we need you guys to, to do a to hit record for it or whatever. And I remember just not being able to come up with shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I remember just us going to Jamaica. That's when we went to Jamaica for like a week, and the phones didn't work just so we can re refresh. And we came back, and Sylvia was on our ass. Well, she don't play the radio. Whoo! She was, <laughs> and she sent Andrea. She sent some. So she's like, "Yo, what's going on?" So I'm like. What's up? You're not gonna be like, what's up? I said, no, I just need a break. See, I'm back, I'm back, back out of shit. Got this shit. I'm ready now. I'm ready now. And she sent Andrea Martin down or whatever. And that's kind of how we change these gears. Because being producers, it's about being able to work with different songwriters as well. And songwriters can take you down different roads. You know what I mean? So if you open your heart as a producer and can develop relationships with different writers, you can you can produce artists in Africa, you can produce whoever based on who you're working with. And Andrea Martin, straight out of New York, Brooklyn. She wrote that well, Don't Let Go, the Embo, or whatever, like, she did that. And she got like a little, little, little um, Caribbean vibe to her. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. Yeah, yeah. but then, um, and then like, like you said, with the um, Waterfalls with Marquez, and um, and then we got other records, like we did Curtis, we, we did a lot of other R&B stuff, but like even Escape, we did Escape based on the relationship because us and Jermaine, and um, Yeah, we did, uh, we did a Tonight record. Tonight Escape. record, another record, whatever, so. Um, so really, it, we were R&B singing group first. But you know what I'm saying? We were R&B singing group. That's crazy. So, so R&B. We had the finger ways and everything. Yeah, finger ways, Bob, drop pants, yeah. shirt, tattoos. We were boogie as hell. It was, we were boogie fly. I worked in the beauty, we were, beauty we, supply store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were boogie fly. I had it. I had it. I had it. Yeah, we were doing it. Dry fast. <laughs> comb through ways. Dry fast. Comb through. You know, one of the things that a lot of us fall fall under is we come into this game, we got our crew, we're doing it for fun, we're not expecting to make money, and then we start making money, and then money changes the situation, right? Like, y'all young, man, y'all doing some shit that y'all was doing for free or would do for free. How did that, when when y'all when y'all went to Interscope, when y'all, when y'all, y'all wasn't doing it for 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, when it became millions, what the fuck did that do to y'all, man? To yourselves individually and as a collective? Uh, I think it kind of uh, distant us. We, you know, I would always go to Rico's house to, to play on something or do something, but I started not going as much, as much as I should have been wow. and do as much work. Because, I, man, I was acting a fool, man. I, was, <laughs> I had money and I had a fresh-ass, fly-ass car, and it was all about the car. That's why I was getting all the women. So I would drive around all day, every day, and, and I just wanted to win. Drop top you know, I was, I you know, I was young, and you know, I just the money kind of just took me a whole other place. I mean, we were still working, but I should have focused more. You know what I'm saying? And that, you know, that just kind of what it did to me. But it's almost impossible to focus with all that money. A absolutely, and then when everybody, you know, want to celebrate all the time. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. And then it wasn't like he wasn't the only one not focused. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody was. I remember the first, the whole first year, we, me and Ray moved into the first, the Adams Drive house, or whatever. Like I didn't touch my drum machine for a fucking whole year. Wow. I went to the bank every day. Right? <laughs> it took out probably ten thousand. Like, like, it, it wasn't that much, but, but I, it what was that. You buying? Whatever I wanted. Yeah. Like, like, whatever we wanted. Whatever we wanted. I always ask this question, man. What's the dumbest shit that you bought 
And when you look back right now, be like, damn, I'm You know what? I'm, I, I'm blessed to be able to say that. I was on Melrose. I was in, I was in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills. I went to the bank to got 10000 That's the limit before they started. I already started to start now, honestly, because I like look like a dope one. So I said, that's all the word. I wouldn't even spend the money. It's just like the whole street shit. Like, you know, like I'm selling dope. Got, 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 ten, got your money on me and shit. Whatever, whatever. But, <laughs> so I'm in Los Angeles. And I go to Melrose. I said, man, I'm going to spend this money right now. In, in, right here. Officially. Just kick it. Give me some shit. I went into one store and shit. I saw a shirt that I like. That shit might have been 7900 I walked up out of there and said, man, I ain't doing this shit. I'm going to stick with your polo. I'm, I'm, I might get some Gucci, like three, four, four hours. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it like that. Like, like, so Rico didn't fuck his money up like that, I promise you. The IRS took it. And, like, and besides that, that's it. Because like, I, did, I didn't do mine like that. Like, ain't, ain't that many drugs you can buy in the whole world. I promise you. It, it ain't. I smoke I, pounds. You, know, you, can't, you can't smoke that, but you smoke. You don't know what you can do. So it was like... It was really more about, I can't, I don't have any regrets. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I did do a lot of donations. Like, school, school could call. Like, man, we lost all our computers. We need 15, 20 computers. Cut the nigga check. You know what I'm saying? Straight up. Straight up. I would, could, I would do it. I would do it. Like, I was the one to call. People knew. Call organized noise. <laughs> call organized noise. Them niggas are going to help you. They going to help you. <laughs> Them black niggas going to help you. What you spending Man, the dumbest thing I ever spent on was uh, the VIP at Gentleman Club. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'll never tell you how much. <laughs> I'll never tell you that, but you know, I was, like I said, man, I was young and having fun, bro. You know, if I went back again, I wouldn't probably do it like that, to tell you the truth. You know, so I'd be way more, like I said, focused. But, but what, what, I, what I hear, though, is that. It was probably a competition between you and Jermaine about who really established strip club, strip club culture as a dominant culture. I heard that you put it on your shoulder and the strip clubs around America owe it to you. Is that true, my nigga? It might be. Absolutely. It might be. It hey, might sleep, be. sleep on the club for a minute. And then that's, this was for Meech. This was all Meech before they really got popular. Before these cats got popular. Like, he was the one who pretty much had an office at the spot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> had an like, I knew who my nigga gonna be at. He's gonna stop by see me between four and six. Stop by see me, so I gotta be, I be at the house, somewhere downstairs, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I, I go to the strip club too, but I went in the daytime. I went in the daytime, early on, for a vibe. So I can hear some different music. And I come back yeah, home, yeah. then I start working on music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And to get the girl to get up early. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Boy, stop. They, yeah, stop. <laughs> Who got all night? <laughs> Yo, let, me, let, me, let me ask y'all this, though, man. Y'all get all this money, and, 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 and it's, like, it's like Dave Chappelle, man. You're doing something that you love, and then you get all this money, and now there's all this expectation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even understand how it, how it, how, what it is to make one hit. But y'all made all these hits, and now y'all get all this money. Like, talk about the pressure it is. What kind of pressure it is to make another hit? Because y'all was doing that shit freely, and now y'all have to make a hit. Like, what, what does that do to y'all? With the hit records at that time, I'm being honest, Ray, we were, we were getting them from everywhere, man. Like, that's what happened three of us. Sleepy might, like, so fresh, so clean. 
Sleepy came to me with that one day on, on that same shit. He's about going to the Shake Club. That same shit. He might stop by the house one day. Hey, Reed, man, check this little idea I got. He might just sing it. Do, 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 do. I was like, okay, cool. The next day, I wait for him to come back by. I got a beat. So, oh, Reed, I like that, Reed. I like that. I said, well, do me a favor. Go ahead and sing that on top of that beat. Just put the melody down. Okay, cool. Do that. Then he leave. He put in his hour two. We win it. The next day, come in. I, done, the, the, I woke up that morning, I, got, I came up with the hook. Ain't nobody dope family, I'm just so fresh. So, so fresh is so clean, clean. So, so that, that didn't happen. The next day he come right, he come over. He said, um, I, I, said, I, I said, check these words out. He said, oh, that's it, Rick. I said, go ahead and put that down. Then we started bringing in the musicians. So it was almost like, it wasn't that we wasn't productive, but we could have been doing more. That's all. We always got, we got us a hit, all that we do. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and we still, even to this very day, can. It's just that we want to do it the way we feel it, almost. Like, we're really trying to evolve our sound. Like, we're trying to figure out a way to make it even that much more diverse. And by, by the way, I'm sorry. God damn, I'm glad we ain't up yet. Organized Noise EP is yes. out in stores yes. now. Please yes. go buy. Like, the first week, we might have sold like a thousand copies. I need to sell it. I need to sell some more. Cause we, we don't cook. <laughs> I do. I need to sell some more. Cause then it's gonna inspire me to put the album out. They got the hundred thousand, the Wiz Khalifa, Tali Kweli. I'm not giving none of that away. This I know at least ten thousand people paying attention. At least you know what I'm saying it's streamed. Yeah, but yes, go 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 get that. Book. It think I like five dollars or something. I just downloaded it today. You, you get the two chains. You get the two chains yes. record on there. You get the record with Sleepy's dad on it. Um, Kim. It's like an instrumental record. You'll get um. It's another record on there. Um, We the ones. We the ones, we got a little yeah. video about to come out. Yeah. It's really inspiring, like just we the ones that fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we, and that has Big Boy on it, has CeeLo singing on it, has Big Rube on it or whatever. And this is, um, and really it's just, um, just, it's just us being, being humble about what we do. You know what I'm saying? Like, these young, music is changing. We got a lot to do with the fact that it has changed. So we can't get mad at how it's changed. You know what I'm saying? You can't tell people to think outside the box. When they go think outside the box, they change everything that you ever thought music was. <laughs> as far as digital, you know what I'm saying? Like with the compressed sounds, like it's different from when it was analog and certain 808. But at the same time, though, the shit is dunking. And I'm blessed to have a little cousin, Future, so that I get a chance to not only enjoy his success, but I make money from it. And he's my family. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about that. I want to. I definitely want to talk about that. But... There you go. Thank you. Now, this is a question I, I got to ask y'all, man. Like one of the things that I judge um, dynasties by is not just how high they go. You know what I'm saying? But also how far they have an impact. And it's 2017, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all came out in what in 1994, right? 93, 93, ninety-two. I don't think y'all get enough credit, and you just said it yourself about how y'all changed music to this day. That a product of the Dungeon family is at the head of the change, which is Future. And so y'all created that. Y'all created what we listen to right now. Can we talk about that? And how y'all even. If y'all knew y'all were, like if, if Future was some weird kid in the studio, like if it was intentional or unintentional, but at the, at the same time in 2017, he continues to carry that torch that for most, Dungeon Fam. And it most definitely helps us. Well, it helps me as far as my ego feeling like I knew what was right, but he's not necessarily indicative of what the Dungeon family stands for. He has it on his arm. He slept, he's my family, my blood cousin. So he got the knowledge because I told him. 
my sorrows. I told him what I went through. I told him how we got to where we got. And I showed him how we earned. This is how we earned. This is the way we did it. So he he's showing me because he applies it when I hear music. But at the same time, though, I also told him that these niggas ain't paying attention. If you over rapping, they ain't going to buy it. That's why they pushing us out. So you got to be more melodic. You got to be talking. You got to dumb it down some. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I take full responsibility. But at, the same, but at the same time, though, it's like he's a star. 6'3", got flavor, you know what I'm saying? So, I, so I, I trained him up right, too, in that sense. That's all he's doing. He finessing. He's just, people just like him. He just, he just gets stuck at a point because now he got to start because Molly Percocet, Molly, it's the shit. But at the end of the day, though, somebody got to explain what Molly is and what Percocet is. Somebody gonna have to say it. Somebody gonna have to say it to they like, damn, what's that? What, what's so daddy? What, what's Molly Perkins say? Damn, son, that's pain pills and that's like a goddamn drug that gets you high all night. <laughs> Almost like meth, but not meth. Like, huh? Don't do meth, but maybe do Molly. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it can be confusing. It can be confusing. It can be confusing. So, with those, <laughs> so, so with those lines, those are the things that. Yes, I'm proud of him because of the fact that, because he has an attitude, he stay in the studio all the time. And, and what he took from us more than anything is the knowledge of verses, change, hook, arrange, almost like you got four different parts where a song can keep changing. Eight bars, eight bars, eight bars. And his vocals automatically changes like that. Even, and then what, what the kid be doing, and this comes from Jay-Z, comes from Jay-Z, and it comes from, um, because we heard my bubble sparks and somebody might have said, man, Jay-Z don't write none of this shit down. He should be walking back and forth in the room and he might and he go spit it. So now all the young cats try to be like, damn, they don't write them down no more. They don't write them down. This is going off the top of their head. So a part of the victory, you, you're absolutely right. And a part, of, <laughs> a part of the victory is, God damn, I just said some shit. Ooh, that's dope. Keep that one. Like not knowing that you're going to say some shit like Nas, going to overtalk you. But, but right though, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, like they happy when they put together some shit and it all makes sense. They happy when it makes sense. That's a victory. But they doing it off the top of their head though. Like they really are. And um, and so the more life they live, the the, the more knowledgeable, the, the better their songs can be or whatever. But I'm just looking at my um my little cousin because. Because his accomplishments now is bigger than like, right? It's like, he's doing so well with the family. You know what I'm saying? He, lead, he, he leads this generation. All these little young niggas, Migo, Young Thug, everybody, um, Ray Shimmer, everybody who got them rapping doing that little, ah, what's that? Doing them crazy voices with that song. Oh, y'all. Oh, you didn't get them nuts until that boy right there started doing it. And he got it because he seen us giving money from R&B. And them, them lines, them lines cross. Yeah, them lines blurry. Don't worry about them lines. Add that shit. Put that dope one lingo with this melody. Write a waterfalls dope boy song, yeah, do it. That's yeah, that, and that's that's exactly what that what that means to be honest. I, I just, I'm honest. That's exactly what I taught him, and that's why he's winning. But at the same time, that's why he's not. Um, he gets stagnant sometimes because he's so he's so scared to lose the hood. He's so you know what I'm saying? Because the hood is what. Because I hate to come say white folks because it ain't white folks, but just it's it's the system. It's the it's the majority. In order to be, get to him, because look at Fetty Wap. People love Fetty Wap, but half people like, nah, uh, uh, like you know, you know what I'm saying. I'm not rocking with him. You know what I'm saying. But some people, but, but you didn't hear them melodies and them. He, he write hits, but you want to know the backstory. 
As soon as Future, as soon as Future got on that radio, he's fucking with Rocco or whatever. He was fucking with Rocco and um, fucking with my homie out of St. Louis too, who's locked up right now. That's who had him signed or whatever. Like, but he when he got on that radio and the people start being like, so so who are you? Oh oh, sh I'm touching pound. Rico, where's my cousin? Get off me. De deal with that, nigga. Deal with that. Huh? Deal with that. I can't, I can't ask you a question. Call, call him. Call that nigga right there. Try him. You know that nigga turned up. Yeah, I got two more questions for y'all, man. Um, you know, you guys are one of the most successful production companies of all time. Of all time. Hip-hop, R&B, Motown. Like, yo, you, you guys are incredibly successful. But talk about how failure feels when y'all hit that failure point at a certain point or y'all felt that y'all hit failure. Like, talk about what that feels like. Well, we don't, we don't I'll, that I'll explain that real good. Like, <laughs> well, first of all, it's just disappointment, man. It's almost like somebody giving you everything you wanted and you asked for, and you really and truly can't figure it out at this point. And it's not, it wouldn't, and failure is not like you didn't catch the ball and you dropped the ball. It's a bunch of shit going wrong, bro. It's a bunch of shit going wrong. You just spent $250,000 for this video and you allowed this director to come up with a treatment that you knew you were supposed to tell that nigga to change some of that shit. But you allowed your music, you allowed, you allowed, it, you allowed it to go that way. It's going, so at the end of the day, it's gonna fall back to looking like, where were you at day one? Not day 33, now that you see it's wrong. The Sleepy Steam album wasn't on our label because the fact me and Sleepy wasn't talking as much even though we recorded the album together. Like little stuff that we, it wouldn't, baby didn't feel bad when it was happening. It's, it's in hindsight. I mean, you look like, damn. But it also it strengthens you. It makes you stronger. It makes you understand to where, like, I won't lose again. Not for those reasons. Not for those reasons. So at the end of the day, yeah, I was hurt. But it was almost like, I kind of felt like I gave up. It was fucked up. I shouldn't have gave up. I shouldn't have, like, because legally, they could have kept paying us. I could have made them keep paying us. I just felt so bad. Because you believed in us. You gave us everything we wanted, and fuck. I don't feel like dealing with I don't feel like dealing with Kubris, Wish Doctor, Kilo, or motherfucking um, Lil Will. <laughs> pretty, pretty much, right, Lando? I'm, I'm, I'm not going. Shaquille call. I mean, Blue call. Yo, man, Kubris, send him home. Hey, um, what's his name? Um, call say um, who was it? Um, for that movie, the um, the Bullworth. Who's the guy there? Warren Beatty. Right? Send him home. Like, like, I wouldn't trip it, but we got opportunities, and I should have fought for my dudes. No, no, no. No, what'd he do? What happened? Let's figure this out. Come on. No, no, no. The big opportunities. Send him home. I'm at the crib with Rainroll, with Porsche. <laughs> I, I, I've already made it. And no, we hadn't made it yet. I done pretty good, but we hadn't made it. You know what I'm saying? And those are the things you learn. That's what you learn. But those things you can't control your feelings of, like, when you got... You can go get ten thousand dollars the bank every day. <laughs> Who can control that? Like, and, and uh, well, actually, that was my budget for the month, but I would do it anytime I wanted to. How about you, man? Uh, yeah, it was definitely dark times, man. Um, and uh, you know, it was conflict between us, and you know, it was just it was just something that we had to get over. I'm glad that we did, and I'm glad that we 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 pushed through it, and you know, because it could have just been like. No more nothing, you know what I mean. So the, honestly, the movie was a blessing. 
that documentary really picked things up. Yes, it, it really started things back up for us again. But before that, yeah, it was definitely dark times. But, you know, we had to work through it. It's my last question. I ask everybody this um, that I interview, and, and, and for each of y'all separately, who's your top five MCs? <laughs> no order. No, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that, right? I like that, folks. Pimp C. Scarface. Yes, sir. Three, three thousand. Biggie. What's that? Five? Is that five? Four. Hey, boy, stop. <laughs> boy, stop. He, honestly, he's an ATL legend. I give him that. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say pop. But if I could, well, I'm just going to say that. That's a solid list, man. That's a solid list. Sir. My shit is not going to be honest. If it's going to be right. Nah, be honest, man. Be honest. Because I can't, I can't other You gotta day, be honest, man. The other day I was just having this conversation <laughs> Saying to myself like You really can't acknowledge the, the Big E Pops and Jay-Z's If you don't really acknowledge Rakim, Karis It's hard not to Big Daddy Kane If you don't talk about these people But but I'm talking about your per, I'm not no, talking about I, what, I like all them news though I do okay. like them I really do like so, them But, but I'm going I'm to get the, the answer That might sound good that. Whatever like that. <laughs> <laughs> Big E Pop 3000 Big Boy and Jay-Z. Woo! That's amazing, man. The, the, the and I had to put Big Boy in. I don't give a fuck. Fuck what y'all be talking about. <laughs> Yo, the, the EP is out. The EP is out. I just downloaded it today. I listened to the EP. How did it feel, man, coming out from, from the curtains and putting your EP out there and y'all as artists collectively as organized noise? Well, as a, it's independent. It's, that's the main thing. The whole reason for doing the comeback, the whole reason for doing it was to get some of this internet money. We never sold t-shirts before. We never, we never, everything was about us being a company giving away stuff. So now it's just, we just trying to rebrand. Like me and Lando was just talking earlier today. Wait till we get y'all a motherfucking real, real hit. We do that shit 90-10 split. That shit gonna be good. Like, what? <laughs> Yo! That shit gonna be good, son. That's what we waiting on. That's what we waiting on. 10,000 10, every day, man? Hey, Pull out 10,000. I, I got two kids, so. 5,000. <laughs> I, I spent at least 120 now and then. Yeah, so yeah, feed, definitely. Feed, feeding them Negroes. Man, I know it, man. Listen, um, once again, man, I, I, I don't just say this for me, but I think, you know, everybody in this room, everybody that's into music, man, really owes you guys so much, man. So thank you so much. A round of applause to y'all, and thank y'all for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and to the crowd out there, once again, ATL. Thank you. ATL, y'all always show us a lot of love, man. Give yourselves a round of applause. Yes. yes. I appreciate y'all for coming out, man. Y'all always represent more than I know. You know, once again, a shout out to our sponsor, man. You know, Acid, Acid. Cigars. They definitely hold us thank down, you, so Acid. thank you. King, you got anything to say, man? Yo, ATL, we got to come back, right? Yeah. I think we got to come back more often. Back. More often. I'm moving out here. Yeah. I listen. I'm moving out here. A second spot, like Ed Lover. I'm moving. I'm moving. I don't know about you. I'm moving. <laughs> Listen, man, I want to close the show like I always close the, um, the podcast. 
Um, dream those dreams and then man up, woman up and live those dreams because a life without dreams is black or white and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Thank you so much, ATL.